lifted higher than your hands and let's pray unto the God of our salvation. Come on, lift up your voice and receive what's in this room right now. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, lift your voice. Come on a little higher, a little louder. Let heaven hear you cry today. We need your glory. We need your glory. We need your glory. We need your glory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And whatever it is you've entered this building with, you're here. The Lord is here. Why not just have a move of the Holy Ghost? Are you thankful you came to Lighthouse this morning? Are you thankful you came to the presence filled tabernacle that truly where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom? There is power. Anybody been baptized in Jesus' name? Let me see you. Wave your hand. Anybody received that precious gift of the Holy Ghost by the evidence of speaking in tongues? Anybody ever felt a healing virtue flow through your body? Anybody been delivered from addiction in your life? I wonder today if the redeemed of the Lord could just say so right now. Come on. Lift your voice and shout with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. I heard one preacher say this, and I want to I see how well you can jive with it, if that's all right. Hell hates it when the people of God praise the Most High. And hallelujah being the highest praise, I wonder if for a moment we could use that word hallelujah, not as a praise, but also as a war cry. and Let every demon know that God is for us, and if God be for us, who can be against us? Anybody need the Lord to move on your behalf today? Why don't you on the count of three, I want you, whatever it is that you need, to shout. Hallelujah, as hard, as loud as you can, because I believe something's about to break in this atmosphere. Are you ready for God to show up even greater? Come on, one, two, three. Come on, let it be coupled with praise in advance and magnify the Lord and lift up a holy shout. Come on, I want you to know that God inhabits the praise of his people. Entrance gates with thanksgiving. We have entered his courts with praise. Let's be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord, he is good. Somebody shout yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. You may return to your seats, grab your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Luke, the eighth chapter. What an honor it is to be here today. I give honor. Just remain standing in honor of the reading of the Word of the Lord this morning, if you don't mind. I give honor to your pastor, Brother Buford, for taking a risk and having me on a Sunday. I've never been here before. This is our first date. Man, y'all are beautiful. And so, except for Randall Lee, God have mercy. It is what it is, right? Now, my, my good friend, I appreciate him being a great host. And I do honor the Bufords today in their absence, and um, I do honor the Lees, and and now the doctor, Dr. B over there. I'm privileged to work with him on a daily basis in the Division of Publications, and um, what a brilliant man. How many are thankful for your pastor, his wife, 
your assistant pastor, their family. God is good to us. And today is my first Sunday to preach since um, November with my family in service with me. And we've been through a, quite a long journey. And my wife was on a modified bed rest. I continue traveling all across the nation and preaching different various places that were um, brave enough to have me. So thank you for all those times. But today I'm really happy to have my wife, Kale, my little boy, London, and our six-week-old baby, Sparrow Joy. And so, so happy to be here. Hey, it's an honor for us to be here today. Thank you for having us. Hey, and you're a great musician. I never heard you play before. You bragged on me, so now I get to brag on you. So, isn't she great? So, payback. So, Luke chapter 8. Are you ready? Thank you for one. Amen. Are everybody else ready for the word today? Give honor to Brother Daniel. God bless him. He was a teacher of mine when I was at IBC. IBC for me stood for I became carnal. Um, but it just, it just, that's what it was. If I would have known about Gateway, I could have gone God's way, but here we are. So anyways, it's, I'm just kidding. It's urshan now. I get it. I get it. But um, I, I told him, I said, when I was young and ignorant, some things have changed. Okay, here's the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 8. And Brother Bazzelli, good to see you too. And it came to pass that when Jesus returned, the people gladly received him. For they were all waiting for him. Behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue and fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house, for he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years had spent all of her living upon physicians neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched. Verse 45, and Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee and sayest thou who touched me? In my comical way or maybe more so elementary way of reading this text, Jesus was probably like, who touched me? And Peter's like, look, man, there's a lot of people around here. What you talking about? And verse 46, Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. When the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And verse 48 is where we're in, in our reading today. Jesus said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Watch these last few words. Go in peace. When Jesus does a work, he always gives you peace. I just have one word that I want to preach from this morning, and that's simply this, breakthrough. Everybody say breakthrough. Breakthrough. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift up your hands high towards heaven one more time? Would you pray that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would couple this already anointed word today? I pray, Lord Jesus.
that there would be an additional liberty in this tabernacle. I pray for angels of heaven to be dispatched among us. I pray for freedom in the Holy Ghost to operate. Let the gifts of the Spirit operate in this house. I pray that miracles, signs, and wonders will follow the word of the Lord that goes forth today. And we will give you thanks and we will give you glory for it in Jesus' name. If anybody is ready for a breakthrough, would you clap your hands and magnify him? In the most anticipated words in Pentecost, you may be seated. Not dismissed, I got you. As Jesus was going to Jairus' house to heal his little girl, they encountered an interruption, if I could say it like that. Jesus was doing what only he could do best, and that was perform the miraculous. He was headed in that direction. The crowds almost, as we could say it, almost crushed him. They were just so there. I mean, they were pressing, thronging. They were all up in his business. They were anticipating miracles, They were pressing in to be near. They were crowding him, but something happened, and it was quite literally shocking. It it brings the spotlight from the transition of where they were to where they were going into a pause in that journey. An unnamed and otherwise insignificant person, a woman, that had an issue of blood 12 years. The Bible tells us very little about her, but thankfully it does shed some light on how wonderful this moment was for her. I mean, she'd been suffering in pain. Many doctors had most likely promised improvement, but none of them could actually cure her condition. All of her money was spent on treatments, as if we could say it today, but that money had run out. It says that she had spent, I mean, it was probably her emotions that were spent. It was probably her time, her talents, her energy, everything. But instead of getting better, she just gets worse. For 12 years, she was considered wretched, considered plagued. I mean, unclean, could not be touched by any person. She could not touch anyone herself. She could not go to the synagogues, the assemblies, the, cer- or the assemblies, the ceremonies. And 12 years, Brother Buford, that she had enjoyed Passover or Sabbath services. It had been 12 years since she had been able to stand before the high priest to have her sins forgiven. 12 years, there's not a whole lot, but I can just use my imagination. Probably no hugs or no kisses, no intimate moments with family. She could not prepare food for anyone else. I mean, do housework or be a wife, a mother, or in most cases, she was just as good as dead. Isolated by herself. Could you imagine sitting there staring at walls all day long? Desperate for a miracle. I don't know, but she manages somehow to muster the strength to position herself in that crowd. And she was so desperate for change that everything she dealt with in the times prior to this moment 
was no longer an issue in her life. She wasn't supposed to touch anybody. She wasn't supposed to have anybody touching her. But she made contact with the only one that could be touched and never made any type of progress of uncleanliness transferable to his body. For when she touched Jesus, she touched somebody who was moved and touched by the feelings of our infirmities. When she made contact with Jesus, she was probably thinking nobody's going to know. I'll just crawl there and I'll just grab a hold of the, the hem of his garment. If I can just touch him, I have confidence that I can be healed. She was desperate for a change in her life. And she knew that Jesus could do it. Why not? Because he was doing it for everybody else. Surely he can do it for me. Perhaps if I could paint the picture for you. Maybe she said, pardon me for a moment, but I need a breakthrough. The Bible says that she, as soon as she touched the hem of his garment, she was healed. It was immediate. She didn't have to sit around and wonder if she got what she came for. She didn't have to call for a committee meeting to examine the situation. Brother Randall, she didn't have to go to the Mayo Clinic for confirmation tests to be ran to see if she really got healed. There was something that happened in her life that she knew immediately something is different. This situation, it's no longer the same. I've got this feeling that something wonderful has just taken place in my life. And this whole story captures my attention some week ago when I began to write this message that we see throughout Scripture. There are two types of healings that fall into two categories. One is immediate and one is progressive. Sometimes healing happens right away and sometimes healing happens later on down the road. But for this particular woman, her healing was immediate and guess what? She was not the only one that realized it. Jesus said, who touched me? Something got a hold of his attention. Remember, they're making their way to Jairus' house, and he's practically being pushed and crushed by the crowd. And how do you respond to a question when there's everybody around you? And Jesus says, who touched me? It wasn't more of a, an answer like, hmm. I wonder what that was. Who touched me? No, I just have this crazy idea that Jesus had a confidence. Somebody touched me. Who was it? Are you with me this morning? The disciples probably seemed like an insane question. Peter said, uh, Jesus, everybody's touching you. They're practically taking over you. I mean, there's a whole mob situation out here. And you're asking who touched me? Jesus makes a wonderful distinction here. He says, I don't mean who touched me. I don't like who touched me. I mean like who touched me, as if he's saying, who pressed in strong enough and deep enough? Who got desperate enough that they had to do everything they could to press their way through the crowd? I just want to come and tell somebody today, you're in the right place at the right time with the right God. And he is moved by your desperation. I know there's situations around you that make you feel like you're being crowded, makes you feel like you're suffocating in your condition. But if you'll just get a little bit of faith, you don't need a whole lot. You've just got to use what you got. I promise you, if Jesus is touched and he feels virtue leave his body from a woman who is unclean, I promise you today, there is nothing that is too hard. Is there a witness in the house? He's healed your body before. He's cleansed your mind. He's touched your emotions. He's helped your mental health. He's touched your marriage. He's brought your prodigal home. I don't care what your condition is. God is moved, and he wants to give you a breakthrough. 
Lift your hands and love the Lord right now, shall we? Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus said, somebody touch me. I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. It was this woman when she realized, you know, there's no hiding now. It's on the open, Brother Buford. It's exposed. And here we are. And Jesus said, all right, honey, I want you to know something. I want you to be of good comfort. I want you to have comfort right now because your faith not only healed you, but it made you whole. And now I want you to go in peace. And today, here we are in this sanctuary right now. And I've come to preach to those who have settled for the things that way have all the way that things have always been and you don't see how anything in your life could even change from what it was all the years you've been praying and nothing's happened all the years you've been fasting and nothing's happened all the years that you've given your tithes and your offerings all the times that you said lord i believe and nothing's happened i preach to those who've been through the trial of your faith to those who have yet to hear a good report from your doctor to those who have been faithful and there's still no fruit of your labor to those that have been slammed with one thing after another those who have become weary in your well doing those who have sought God but it seems as if he cannot be found I've got an encouraging word for you today you are not alone and God is ready to give you a breakthrough God is ready to move upon your situation I just wonder is there a desperate mom in the house that you want God to touch your baby is there a desperate husband that house that you want God to touch your family is there a desperate individual that says God I'm ready for a miracle Might as well make your declaration right now. I've suffered long enough, and today is a good day to have a God day. I've come here looking for a healing. I've come here looking for some hope. I've come here looking for restoration. I need something better to happen in my life. I know this is fast. I know this is furious, but I want you to know I feel faith in the house of God right now. You are here with the people of God, of the Most High God, whose name is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow every tongue could confess that the name of the Lord is a strong tower if you're running to him you'll find your healing you'll find your safety he's the God of the breakthrough <laughs> lift your hands right now across this tabernacle hallelujah hallelujah Come on, keep your hands raised. Keep your faith elevated right now. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this house. Hallelujah. 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 I'm preaching, Brother Lee, to the people in this house that they have been suffering for a long time. Maybe it's not, Sister Buford, a physical healing that they need, but they've got some emotional distress they've been dealing with. For 12 years, 12 years she suffered. Imagine the stress that was placed upon her body, the stress that was placed upon her mind. The turmoil, the tragedy of being all by yourself 
Anybody ever felt lonely before? I'm not the only one. Let's be honest. We're in church. Anybody ever felt lonely before? Yeah. I didn't know if I was going to have to open the altars for repentance right now. I just, I was, I was curious if there's any honest people in the house. I'm, I'm being foolish. I'm just kidding. This is a good church. This is a godly church. This is a house of miracles. Anybody been healed in this house before? Yeah. See, I haven't always been perfect. Such for some of you. But you've been washed. You've been cleansed. You've been set free. I mean, let, let me just go ahead and just kind of dive into what I feel the Holy Ghost. I, I don't have time to preach pretty today. I just want to preach what the Lord is putting on my heart. I told the men yesterday, very briefly, I come from a broken home. I didn't get to tell the rest of my story. And I'm not trying to just be repetitive. And if you've heard this before, I'm, I'm sorry for being so redundant. But I just got to testify on how God is a God of the breakthrough. Because I do come from a broken home. And my parents, when I was 13 years old, they... They divorced for the second time in my lifetime. And so my sister and I were devastated, and I, I didn't make it through high school. I was a high school dropout, and I ended up getting my high school diploma because I scored high enough on my GED. And so I was getting that get-her-done diploma, but I got, I got a good enough educational level there that I got a high school diploma. And I, I tried to go to Bible college. It, I wasn't mature enough for it. Let's just be honest, okay? I just didn't have... I didn't have my life together, and I had a lot of issues that were holding me back, and I blamed a lot of things on the way I was raised, and well, I didn't have a dad in my life, and I didn't, and something got a hold of me and changed my life. I needed a breakthrough. Why are you quiet today? Am I too personal for you? I was struggling. I was on my way to hell. I was playing the drums, backsliding. I was playing the organ, backsliding. I was, I was preaching youth sermons and, and preaching it one foot in and one foot out. I was playing games with Jesus. And I needed a breakthrough. It was one Sunday morning when I was about 24 years old. In the year of 2006, there was a gentleman that came through, Brother Randall Lee, and he was preaching a sermon called Identity Crisis. I'm really trying to help somebody right now. I was so bound by everything I didn't have that I forgot to focus and look unto Jesus who was the author and the finisher of my faith and so for a 12 year battle in my own life from the time that I was 12 years old until the time that I turned 24 I was bound with addictions I couldn't tell the truth to save my life I wasn't addicted to porn I wasn't addicted to drugs and alcohol I just couldn't tell the truth to save my life and after 12 years that man of God walked over after preaching on the identity crisis, and he grabbed me by the arm and he pulled me off the organ. Because look, when there's a man preaching, he's preaching good. I love to play some organ. I'm like, oh, yeah. I mean, we can go to town, y'all. You ain't seen nothing yet. Forgive me for being stupid. This is my sermon, all right. Something got a hold of me, and he pulled me, Sister Buford, on the back side of that banister, right in the middle of that platform, and he said, "You have used this organ." As a hiding place. You have used drums as a hiding place. You have used the calling of God on your life as a hiding place to give you an escape route. But the truth is you're fooling nobody except for yourself. You need to get a hold of God and not leave. It was about seven hours later I picked myself up off the floor. And I remember going into my car and driving home. Brother Daniel, I felt a change in my life. I received a breakthrough. Yeah, it was 12 years of trying to figure out what I was supposed to do in my life. It was 12 years of trying to shuffle through all these things. And I blamed it my father. And I loved my dad. I blamed all of my situations. But I had to realize something. There comes a point in your life where you realize it doesn't matter what you're 
your family tree looks like, by God's grace, you have every right to start a new branch. Yes. Ah. Yeah. I laid on that floor and God began to speak to me and minister to me. And I'd been through a couple broken relationships. It was just a couple months later that I met this beautiful woman. Hallelujah. See, I got you on that one. And I met her. And listen, our first phone call, brother counselor friend, was three hours and 47 minutes. That is a long time. Bless her heart. But I got her. I knew I loved you before. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go into that. I'm not, uh, or maybe like, I was like, hey, come on, somebody. I would try to drop it, but I'd split my pants. That's not a good idea. So here we are. Somebody shout breakthrough. I got it. And the Lord started putting pieces together in my life. And after we dated, for five months, I knew she was the one. I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. When I hung the phone up that night, the very first time I talked to her, I knew she was the one. We talked on the phone for 30 days before I even met her face to face. And I knew I loved her. I really did. I know that's crazy. But I did. And I met her parents and her pastor. And they all agreed that I could marry her. God bless her. And here we are. I'll pause for a moment to finish telling you this side of the story. My wife and I prayed over our family. See, she comes from a beautiful family. Mom and dad raised her in church, have been married, and are still married today. But my mom and dad, they divorced each other twice. I had a lot of baggage. Had a lot of those minions of hell trying to tell me, yeah, you're going to be just like your father. It's going to end the same way. You can't have, there's no way you can have a good marriage. And all these generational curses that tried to leach itself to my life, I had to make a mindset that the only way to break a generational a curse is to make a generational choice. That, that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so, so we start laying down some foundations and boundaries. And, and wouldn't you believe it, later on down the road, we had been... We had been married for five years, and God blessed us with a beautiful boy by the way of adoption. Listen, he is as much my baby as everybody else in this world. That, that is my boy. Stand up, London, and show off how handsome and cool you are. That's my boy, London, right there. Water break. Something shifted in our ministry, Brother Buford. We were in Jackson, Tennessee for six years as youth pastors, and something shifted, and I began to travel and evangelize. I would have never in my wildest dream imagined that 20 years later, after my father walking out on our family, that what I'm about to tell you would ever take place. My dad, who was riddled by drugs and by alcohol, my dad, who had a lot of other issues in his life, was in the doctor's office one day and he said, Mr. Avant, you've got about six months to live. Your liver is about 20% function. You have shredded it by all the alcohol abuse. Because of your drug abuse, you have hepatitis C. There's no way that we can find a cure for that. You'll have it for the rest of your life. And you are now diabetic. You've got to get your life together. If you don't change your life, you're going to be dead. He had a sister that died from liver failure, from alcohol abuse. He had a father that had a blood clot in his lungs that was an avid smoker every single day of his life. My dad was living under the recipe of death. My dad only knew one person to call. It was his ex-wife, my mother. You better not talk to that man. I'll get a hold of you, girl. And we were staying in their house for the Buford. 
I don't know why I'm telling this. This is not my sermon, but I feel Jesus right now. Are we okay? Is this all right? Are you good? I'm almost done. You can go eat lunch, but are you good right now? Okay. Apostolics have appetites. Trust me. So we're down there. And my mom, we're staying at my mom's house. We're evangelizing, preaching down there for about eight weeks. And my mom starts telling us, you know, about my dad and all this stuff. She comes home one day. I was at Starbucks studying for Jesus. And you got to bring truth to that carnal place, but it works, you know. I felt a witness right there. As, as I'm standing here today, my mom comes home with a flower. And my wife says, who's that from? And she's like, oh, just a friend. Okay. A couple of days later, she comes with a 12, a dozen flowers. And my wife says, Robin, who's that from? She goes, a friend. What kind of friend buys those type of deals? What's going on? And so I listen to my mom. And she's in her room doing her checkbook one night. And she's talking and laughing. I'm knocking on the door. Hey, mom, who are you talking to? I'm just doing my checkbook. Look, I have never laughed and had that great of a time doing my checkbook. <laughs> Ever. It's more like, oh, God, I need a breakthrough. <laughs> Come to find out, my mom and my dad have been talking to each other. My mom had been praying for my dad. What's really unique is the church I grew up in, Palm Bay, Florida, now East Wind Pentecostal Church, they have about 1,200 on Sundays. And they started branching out and opening new campuses. My dad lived 30 minutes south in a little place called Sebastian. And no joke, my dad could get out of the front door, walk to his vehicle, drive away, and pull into the parking lot of the new church plant in five minutes. My dad started going to church there. And while I was in Florida, it's just amazing. My wife sends me a text message on the last Sunday of December in 2014. And in that big old church, my dad decided to go to church that morning because my wife and my son were there and he wanted to see them and go have a meal afterwards because my dad hadn't really been in life, in our life very much. And my wife sends me a picture as I'm getting ready to preach. I always check my text messages when my wife sends me something because I don't want to be dead if I don't read it. And I'm really helping some man of God in this house today. Not trying to take your clients, but I'm doing good right now. Just, uh, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. There's my dad in that sanctuary sitting in the house of God. And the next message I get says, when the altar call was given, your dad was the first one that ran to the altar. Two weeks later, that's all right. Two weeks later, on January the 13th, in that little church plant storefront building, I had the amazing privilege to plug my dad's nose and say, Robert, in the name of Jesus Christ, I baptize you for the remission of your sins. I wanted to hold him down as long as I could, but I had mercy on him. My dad come out of that water and he's bald, worse than what I am. Leave me alone. And so he just took those hands and he just kind of let the water roll off the top of his head. And, and I felt the change in his life. And guess what? Nine months later, to their surprise, my wife and I flew from Denver, Colorado to Melbourne, Florida and surprised the entire family because there was something wonderful taking place. God was working a breakthrough out. And I joined with my childhood pastor 
in the altar of the Eastwind Church along with all of our immediate family. And guess what we said to my mom and dad who've been divorced for 20 years? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. And this year in October, they will celebrate seven years of being married together again. And guess what? It's going great. My dad has now been almost seven and a half years drug-free. There's no alcohol issues. The doctor did a test a couple years ago on his liver, and they said, listen, I don't know what you're doing, but you've got about 92% function of the liver. Everything looks great. They did another scan. They can't find hepatitis in his body anywhere. My dad has his diabetes still, but that's okay. To this point, he's not smoking cigarettes anymore. I just want to tell you, when you get desperate for a breakthrough, Jesus will show up on your behalf. I've come to preach to somebody. I know you survived the divorce, but the divorce is not your destiny. It's just a stepping stone for God to bring a breakthrough to your life. You may not come back together with that first husband, but I believe God can give you something. You may not come back to that first wife, but I believe that God can give you somebody. Your child might be a prodigal. You might have a condition in your body, but God is able. God is able. God is able. Hallelujah. Is this all right? I mean, believe that God can do a breakthrough for your life. Because you know what I feel right now? I feel there's a weight in here that says, that's great for you. But you don't know my story. You don't know the physical pain I'm dealing with. You don't know the emotions that I'm dealing with. You don't know the situation I'm in spiritually. But I want to encourage you. Plant your feet down, solid. Square your shoulders. And say, if I'm not dead, God's not finished with me. We used to sing those songs. He's still working on me to make me look. I don't have it all together. I'm not perfect. Just ask my wife. But I can promise you one thing. As long as I've got breath in my body, I'm going to declare to every person I can that we serve a God who's a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. Am I doing all right, Brother Buford? He's a light in the darkness. There is no shadow. There is nothing too hard for him that he is as close as the mention of his name. I promise you, if you cry, Jesus, he's going to show up. Yes, sir. What can I do for you today? Jesus, all right, ma'am, how can I hear today? There is nothing that's too hard, and God is never slack concerning his promise. Lift your hands, lift your voices all across this tabernacle. Come on, let God arise. Hallelujah. Come on, the Holy Ghost is in this room. How bad do you want it? How bad do you need it? Come on, if you're sick, he can't heal your body. If you need God to calm your nerves, he can calm your nerves. If you need God to wipe some tears away so you can sleep with peace at night, he can give you peace at night. There's nothing too hard for our God. All across this house, would you rise with your hands lifted high unto the Lord? Come on, let's all participate in this opportunity right now.
Hallelujah. 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 Come on. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. Of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Your goodness is running after. That's what David understood. I fought every situation in my life. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. There is this peculiar verse in the Bible that I want to share with you before we leave. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Thank you for having me. Thank you for paying attention to what the Lord is wanting to say to us. We're very good to quote the eighth verse of 1 Peter chapter 5. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. We usually stop right there. Verse 9 says, For whom resist steadfast and faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplishing your brethren that are in the world. This 10th verse is what God wants us to end with today. It's this. The God of all grace who hath called us unto eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that ye have suffered a little while. make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. There's a lot of you that's in the middle of suffering situations, but God's about to give you an after experience. It's not enough for you to feel the weight of the anointing, but you also have to feel the weight of suffering. Because no man that has no tests really has nothing to say in his testimony. The mighty hand of God that operates in the kingdom has come with great tribulation. You know what's interesting about the day of Pentecost? You, you, you talked about it. He said, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. What did Joel talk about? Go back and read it. Joel chapter 2. I'll restore to you the years. Years. Where everything has been eaten up in your life. Where it feels like the harvest that you should rightfully have in your possession is gone. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bible scholars, but that same restoration that he prophesied that day is yet available this day. The promise is unto you, your children, those that are far off. That's us. Those that are far off. I believe that God, when he gives you a breakthrough, he gives you restoration, but he invites you to simply 
go in peace. Go in peace. This is very raw, and I'm not trying to be very, I'm not trying to be hurtful. But after 12 years of us not being able to conceive a child, we found out we were pregnant. And yesterday was three years anniversary when we lost that baby. I don't know why 12 is always associated with my life. 12 years in bondage, 12 years in struggle. We've got a beautiful baby, got a beautiful family. I don't know what miracle you need today. I'm just, I'm just laying it all out there to you right now. Just, just trying to help somebody today. Just trying to be honest with you. I don't have it all together. And I think that's why God loves me. You don't have it all together. As dignified, as classy, as cool, calm, and collective, as wonderful as you are, we have something in common. We need the goodness of God on our behalf. Anybody all right? Am I, am I connected with anybody right now? I've got so many flaws and skeletons in the closet. I told your wife this today, that there is such a heavy anointing that rests upon you. That the hand of God, you've got wisdom beyond your years. She said, I get to live with that. I said, well, Lord bless you. This is a mighty couple. I, I never met her before until lockdown, General Conference 2020. We were in the studio and you began to pray that night and the anointing of God that came upon you when you're praying, I said, oh dear God, that woman can touch heaven. You got a pastor and a wife that, that has aligned themselves in this tabernacle. You've got godly anointed leadership. It's all thing in common. We all need Jesus. Are you perfect? I, I know your dad. I didn't think so. I saw in chapel that day when Brother Hal preached and you came forward and God touched your body. Breakthrough. I could pass this microphone around to everyone in this room and we'd all have our own set of stories, circumstances, and calamities. Hey, brother, you've experienced the God of the breakthrough. Yes. And so you know what we can do? We can join together in hands and we can say, hey, two's better than one. Hey, guess what? the God of the breakthrough and look there's no better place than to be wedged between two people just like me that if it had not been for the Lord on my side where what I don't know who I'm preaching to this Sunday morning I just got to encourage you let God arise you're in the right place would you lift your hands whatever you need from God right now I invite you to come flood the front of this tabernacle right now and reach your hands out to God come on sir there's nothing too hard for God. Come on, ma'am. Doesn't matter how long you've been in this thing. Young person, leave your eyes. Stretch upon him. Look unto Jesus, the author. Come on, you got a need in the house today? Come receive it. Come on, let the Holy Ghost have its way right now. Let God minister on your behalf. There is nothing too hard for God to do. There is nothing too hard for God to do. He's able. God is able. God is able.